You know, I thought it was a really good outing yesterday by Javen Coleman um, for the LSU Tigers as Jay Johnson ties a record with Skip Berkman as he continues to tie records with uh, the former LSU coaching great Skip Berkman as he did yesterday with the amount of runs scored against VMI. We will talk about that. LSU is now 3-0 and early in the baseball season, absolutely dominating yesterday versus VMI. They take on uh, 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 Central Arkansas today at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and then the Lady Tigers face off tonight or have a game tonight at 6, so we're going to do a midday show, and I do have announcement and announcement uh, a little bit later in the show, something that I'm really looking forward to, something that we'll start uh, in March on these midday shows. So, um, really good performance. Oh, 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 did I miss something? Ah, ha, ha, we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports? Hope all of you are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. We'll talk a lot about LSU's and recap LSU's game from yesterday versus VMI. We'll preview a little bit of today. What does Jay do? Uh, the big performance from Brady Neal with two doubles, a grand slam. You know, I will actually tell you something and something I was wrong in thinking about it yesterday. Didn't tweet about it, didn't go public with it, didn't talk about it, but going to make myself a little bit vulnerable and tell you and explain to you, like, man, this is baseball and you need to trust Jay Johnson with everything that you have because he definitely 1,000% knows more about what's going on uh, than we do. That's going to revolve around Brady Neal. You know, I had the question yesterday and really on Saturday too when, when Brady Neal got the first start that he had of the year. It's like, look, he's DHing, he's high up in the order, was a little bit not confused, you know, just like, yeah, uh, let's see. Didn't have a great Saturday. Okay, neither, nobody really had a good Saturday, mainly due to the, to the conditions uh, and the weather. But Brady Neal, okay, coming into the lineup, batting cl- batting cleanup yesterday. And I was just kind of like, okay, I mean, we'll, let, let's see. Absolutely destroyed the baseball, had six RBIs, two doubles in that big time grand slam, and throughout two. We'll talk a little bit about Javen Coleman, what Jay Johnson had to say about him. So a lot of baseball talk here early today. We'll preview just a little bit of Kentucky and um, LSU basketball uh, on that. The game is on Wednesday. We are looking forward to that. It's going to be really fun. Hopefully Matt McMahon's squad can pull out another upset here. These games will be at home. Next three games at home, man. Can this LSU basketball team, now that they're starting, they're, you know, they got Kentucky, but they're going to start facing a favorable stretch here down the, down the stretch. Can they get above 500 in the SEC? We'll talk about that as well. Carter the Power Bryant joins us at 1230. Not going to be able to have him on tonight because of the women's basketball game. You guys know how I don't like going live during LSU events. So we'll talk to him today at 1230. And then we'll go around your SEC as seven teams in the SEC right now, baseball-wise, are undefeated. Florida, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vandy were the uh, were some other teams um, that 
kind of had a little bit of struggles. Florida only played one game against St. John's. Arkansas lost last night or yesterday to James Madison. They actually are are, are playing right now against James Madison in a four-game series. Let's see if the Dukies can even that series or if Arkansas comes back. Uh, 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 They had a really tough game one. Good that Arkansas and, and good on them for being able to pull that out late. But the McIntyre kid had to come in for Hagen Smith. Hagen Smith looked like looked really bad, but McIntyre goes five big innings for Arkansas on Friday to wheel them back. Mississippi State did not look bad. Dakota Jordan looks really good. They go two and one against Air Force, and Vandy is two went two and one this weekend versus Florida Atlantic. So we'll go around your SEC, which does lead me to a little bit of an announcement here um that we're gonna do now i don't i'm not sure of the days it might be a little bit of uh, of fluctuating times and days here um but i told you and i've been telling you that we're gonna be doing a lot more content uh that we are so i do have an announcement starting in march so march the first will be on a friday so march the third march the fourth we'll be starting to do a lot more of these midday shows some maybe some of them when it warrants we'll talk a lot of, a lot of LSU but what we are going to do here on a lot of these midday shows we're going to talk a lot of SEC we're going to go around the SEC for baseball we're going to bring on a lot of guests here okay uh we'll talk spring will be starting spring football will be starting so we're going to go around your SEC and probably We'll, uh, I don't know if we'll just call it SEC rant, SEC hour, around your SEC. I don't know, but that's something that we're going to do. Now, we're going to continue to obviously to cover LSU, but I think um, something now that we're expanding more, we are going to be covering and, and talking about the SEC in these midday shows. Don't know the days. Don't know how, t- how many times a week. Might be one, might be two, hell, might be three. I don't know, but it's going to be fun. And we're looking, uh, we're, we're, I'm looking to start that in early March. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we'll always, and you know this, we'll continue to do uh, our LSU stuff here. Uh, Chance Babbins says, a President's Day nooner. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, but we will be doing a lot more of these. A lot more of these midday shows. Uh, specifically, we'll, we'll talk a lot about the SEC. Wanted to... Wanted to start this last year, wanted to do this last year, uh, but just didn't really have the time. We didn't really have a lot of things ironed out and worked out from, and it was my fault on our end to go around your SEC and around the SEC, Um, but really excited that we'll be covering the SEC in the midday, and then obviously we'll continue with our our traditional shows um, on... um, at seven at night covering LSU and a, a lot of LSU content, but I just think it's going to be a good thing, a fun thing. The SEC is 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 expanding. We will talk LSU on the show, you you know that, but um, just something that we're going to be doing with these midday uh, shows. Uh, Rob says, "Can we ever get your boy Benny on? I used to love when he came into Twitter Spaces. Yeah, we can do that. I can ask him now. I will tell you, Rob, they're starting spring training, so it's going to be really difficult to get him on here." Um, and it takes a little bit of time because of um, it, it might be in the summer, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Benny and see what he says. Uh, Aaron says, good luck. Well, I guess good luck to you. I don't know what we really need good luck for, but thank you. Uh, Danny Girl says, Monster Millum, Stephen Millum, who had a big day yesterday, 
uh, may end up a star on this team. The young talent we saw all weekend gives us some promising future. Braswell looked solid. Neil showed out. And all three catchers were solid. 1,000%. 1,000%. And, and Millam has had uh, a really good weekend. I'm assuming that he, you know, look, I'm not – I know Jay likes to um, – Move some things around early in the year. I would not be surprised if he is in the leadoff spot again. Want to see Paxton clean get going a little bit, but, it, I mean, we're three games into this, and we'll have a fourth one uh, here at two. Chris H. has Florida, Ole Miss, and Arkansas all dropping games early this year. Yeah, and you know what, man? Sometimes that's just baseball. You know, like really bad – I shouldn't say bad teams, but really good teams losing to an inferior opponent. Um Let's see how it goes on. I, I do feel the worst for Florida, in a sense. Um, not really feel bad for him, but you know what I mean. I, I mean, I feel bad for Florida in a way because, look, you, you lose to St. John's. You want to get that taste out of your mouth. You are you were in the national title game last year, and then you have two games that are rained out in the beginning of the year and canceled. So that's got to be really tough for them because, like, look, man, think of if it was LSU, right? Like, uh, Arkansas gets the ability today. They lost to James Madison uh, yesterday, or, or yesterday, and they get the ability to turn right back around uh, and, and get it back, get one back on them. So, look, Vandy, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Florida. I I would not be worried um, uh, about them at all. R-Y or Rye on YouTube says L-F-G-O. Let's freaking go. Beaning ass with these bats. You know, it's funny because in game one, a lot of you, uh, I say a lot of you, some of you, um, were really, um, not not a lot, but a couple of people were, uh, you know, oh, this team sucks. And then that guy deleted all of his tweets. So, I mean, come on. Chan says, St. John's probably hasn't played outside till game day against Florida, but that's baseball. It's true. Very true. Chris on YouTube says, did Tennessee drop one to Oklahoma? I believe that they did. I think, I'm pretty sure they're two and one too. Ole Miss is the only one of those teams that looked quote unquote bad. Yeah. And look, man, I mean, I think it's still tough on Ole Miss. I mean, you're going, you're flying all the way to Hawaii. That's tough, man. It, it, it's tough. So, we'll look, we'll see, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but we'll talk about that as we go around your SEC. And, look, again, if you missed the announcement, we'll be doing a lot of these midday shows. A lot of these midday shows um, we'll be talking about the SEC. But we got a lot of LSU baseball. We got to recap this VMI game. So, we'll, we'll talk about that. Mac 34 says here that good to see Coleman look solid yesterday. I thought he did. And that's what we'll lead off the segment with uh, uh, starting up next. LSU does play at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. They end up this little series run here. Uh, to, to get that game starts at 2, so uh, looking forward to that. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's get a quick break. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag, our good friend Tyler Alexander over at LPT Realty. Um, stay with us. We got lots to discuss. We'll recap this VMI game. Look preview into the Kentucky game versus LSU on Wednesday. And Carter Bryant joining us at seven thirty or seven thirty at twelve thirty. Uh, everybody, do us a favor. If you're on Facebook, hit the like button, hit the share, share to all those social media groups. 
Share to all of those social media pages. If you're watching us, listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, notification bell, wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. Let's take a quick break. We're back. Let's recap this me and my game. We do that next. Ben Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. He will sell your house and find you a new. Well, Tyler's the man, he's here for you. If you want to buy or sell, well, it's not too late. Dial 955-0008. Just call 955-0008. Y'all call Tyler, he'll shoot you straight. We're back. All right. Let's get this thing rolling, y'all. Let's get this thing rolling, y'all. Um, let me throw a side note here very quickly. Um, did y'all notice this weekend, if you watch any of the VMI games outside of LSU, even the LSU games, their head coach constantly like talking and joking around and playing around in the dugout. Did, have y'all noticed that? I'm like, look, man, get get a little bit more serious here. Like, I mean, his catcher took a foul ball, really tough foul ball, off the face mask, and he was sitting there laughing yesterday. Look, seems to be a young guy, young coach. He got frustrated late when LSU started started spanking that ass. Um, But why are you laughing in the dugout if you're a head coach? You're getting your teeth kicked in. Guys, I I saw him multiple times yesterday. I actually wrote this down in our notes. I I counted four different times that – you could see him on TV where he was laughing. Did not like that uh, at all. You know what I did like, though? And I'm not a VMI fan, I clearly. Um, but I just there's certain unwritten rules and unwritten things in baseball that, like, look, man, if you're getting your teeth kicked in, I don't think as the head coach you need to be laughing in the dugout uh, and playing around. Uh, yesterday, I was not surprised whatsoever uh, that Javen Coleman got the start. It's a guy that, look, has had a lot of experience, and we have seen a lot here at LSU, but starts the game off against VMI in Game 3 yesterday for Jay Johnson and the Tigers. Jay actually, in a post-game press conference yesterday, said that he sees Javen Coleman as a starting pitcher and, and that he doesn't really want to use him or utilize him coming out of the pen. I thought he looked really good yesterday. I, I thought that there were some accuracy issues uh, in the second, but... We've seen that from Coleman. We saw it last year coming off of Tommy John, but I thought that he settled down really nicely. Look, in the first inning, he gets two flyouts to center field to Paxton Clean. He gets his first strikeout of the year. 
uh, in the second at bat, but he goes into the top of the second, right? And he, he leaves off of the walk. Now, VMI is a very, very aggressive team. Okay, and you cannot lead off innings with walks. It's it's the biggest no-no that you can have. But Brady Neal, on a steal attempt, hoses a guy out at second base, and you get your first out. And here's why walks are a big deal. Because before that uh, steal attempt by VMI, the next Barrett batter for VMI Garrett, singles in between third and, third and short. So you would have had runners on first and second with no outs if – Brady Neal didn't hose that guy out uh, at second base. But Javen Cullen comes right back in response. This is the part that I think you start looking at a guy like him and you say to yourself, hey, man, a lot like Luke Coleman in the fourth inning of the, uh, on Saturday, you're in a little bit of uh, – I don't want to say you're in a bad situation, but there would have been a chance that you would have had runners at first and second with no out. But you give up a single – but he responds perfectly. Now, he gets two strikeouts to end the second inning, does give up a walk there in between that. So you had runners on first and second. You could have had bases loaded. Those are the reasons why walks, especially to a leadoff guy, is so deadly. But I love the response because last year, coming off of Tommy John, we would have seen a guy like Javen Coleman walk a guy, maybe strike out somebody, but then walk the next two guys and just never could find the zone. You look at him now, look, he walked a, he walked a batter, he gives up a single, he just responds with getting two big-time strikeouts. So I thought he got in a little bit of trouble in the second inning, responded really well, and was able to come back. Top of the third, he gives up an infield single. Let me stop right there. It wasn't an infield single. Now, it was ruled an infield single in the top of the third, but it was a little dribbler to third base. Tommy Tanks has got to come up with that and fire at the first base. It's a bad defensive play. I thought Ben McDonald, again, said it best. You got to make those plays. And we overlook that early in the year. Okay, we look at it, uh, overlook it early in the year when, ah, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's not that big of a deal. You know, it, he, he, it was a tough play. No, you got to make that play. You 1,000% have to make that play. So, thought that Coleman, okay, should have gotten out there. He would have had a 1-2-3 inning, but Brady Neal again, hosing somebody out at second base on a still attempt, and then uh, Coleman gets two ground outs, which would end his day, and then Cam Johnson would come into the fourth. Uh, look, man, there, there's nobody for me – that I wanted to see more this weekend than Cam Johnson. Um, he had a walk party, and the command was an issue. I do believe that they're going to continue to run him out there, and tr you know he's going to have to work through some of these accuracy issues. The stuff is there. I don't think he even was throwing it as hard as he possibly could because he was trying to find the strike zone. First time uh, on the mound for LSU – it's a big deal for him. I, I'm going to give him multiple mulligans here and let him work through finding the strike zone because his stuff is electric. But he came to the fourth, gave up three straight walks. He walked the bases loaded, gave, gave up a sack fly, then had a strikeout. He came into the top of the fifth. 
he walked three guys again. So he walked the bases loaded to start the top of the fifth. Helmers comes in and is able to bail him out there. Um, but look, I, I thought all in all, you gave up a lot of walks, six of them coming from Cam Johnson. Okay, you had, I think, 10 on the day. After the fifth inning, I stopped um, writing stuff down because it, it, it became an onslaught, especially after you started dominating the bottom of the fifth. But I think Cade Woods looked good. I liked what I saw from Aiden Moffitt there at the end of the game. Uh, probably the guy, and I know that you and I have talked about this, the guy that I have been and thought might get a look on Sunday. They went with Coleman, but Aiden Moffitt gets to close out the game. Uh, at the end of it, looked fantastic at the end of the game, did Aiden Moffitt uh, for LSU. All in all, through a weekend, so through three games, what we saw from LSU on the mound, I thought was really good. Now, they got a lot of more arms that they can go to. They'll go to today. I would assume Christian Little uh, gets a look here in, in some form or fashion. Hell, if he doesn't even start today, let, let's see what happens there. But you got uh, Anderson, who I think could even start, the, the young kid out of Mandeville. Um, so they got a lot of arms that they can continue to go to here uh, for LSU. At the plate, Listen, this is, I, I mean, this is why I never freak out and never really say anything. Now, I do give my opinions on things I want to see. It's an opinion. I always come out here and say, listen, Jay knows more than I do. And let me tell you this. I texted a buddy of mine Sunday morning when the lineup got released. And I said, and I told him, I'm like, you know what, man, um, just between him and I, and I'm going to share this with you, even though I probably shouldn't because it makes me look like a damn fool. I said to him, I was like, look, man, I, I thought Brady Neal had a tough day yesterday. But Jay's got him batting cleanup again and behind the plate. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see here what Brady Neal does. Let's see if, you know, him being that high in the lineup is, is going to be something that pays off. It's exactly what I tell him. Well, boy, was I, you know. This is why I don't question Jay, because Brady Neal, man, LSU catcher Brady Neal yesterday at the plate was electric. Two doubles, six RBIs, and obviously had the big grand slam there. The, the, the ball that he hit on the home run, dude just absolutely hit a monster blast. I, I mean, you can see why Jay, why this kid started on a – this kid was a starter last year for a national championship winning team. The number one team in the country, he was the day one guy. Doesn't start on Friday, comes back. He DHs yesterday. He is behind the plate uh, on Sunday. Two big-time hits with those doubles and then hits the grand slam and look fantastic behind the plate. You know, if Brady Neal can stay healthy, he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem. And you see why Jay continues to go to him now. The question becomes, you have three guys that you can have behind the plate. With Travinsky, who it was just announced, is the co-SEC player of the week and much deserving on him being the co-SEC player of the week. He went 7 of 11. We'll talk about Hayden Travinsky in just a moment here, too. But he went 7 of 11 this weekend, batting 636, home run, four RBIs, and eight runs scored. Guys, eight runs scored this weekend for Hayden Travinsky. 
So you got have a guy like him who's probably going to DH a lot, is going to see some action behind the plate, and now what do you do with Brady Neal? I love Alex Malazzo more than anybody, but if you're going to give those type of performances from Brady Neal in no former fashion, do you start early in series Brady Neal? Because now you see what he's going to give you. Now, I do believe wholeheartedly here that when you face a team like Arkansas and Hagen Smith's on the mound, I'd, I would not put Brady Neal up against a lefty. He is not good against left-headed pitching. We've seen that pretty religiously here already. But he's had a short window here at LSU where he's been healthy and been able to be behind the plate and um, be able to take quality at bats at LSU. Hell, he was the one, actually, believe it or not, who hit the home run against Arkansas that got you out of that scoring drought uh, uh, late last year. Neil is just I, – I hate it for Malazzo, okay? Um, but there's no way for me that I, I look at the current situation that you have at catcher and behind the plate, I, I just don't know if he's got a spot right now. And now we got a long season, we got a long way to progress. And I think Malazzo's got, gotten really better at the plate. It's just – when you have a guy like Neil, who is as good, I'm not going to say he's you know better than because he's not as a guy behind the plate than Malazzo, but guys, look what he did from behind the plate yesterday, hosing two guys down. I, I, I mean, so I look at that and just ask myself the question: Is there is there a relative spot in a starting a starting lineup? Especially when you hit SEC play, if Brady Neal is able to stay healthy, if he's not. You you have a guy uh, in Alex Malazzo that can, can that can fill that role. Now, um, the last two days, our last two, the other two post game shows, we talked about this for whatever reason. Did not um, how do I want to say this? I, I guess didn't people didn't necessarily agree. Maybe because he's an older guy. Maybe because he's been here a while. Nobody. From at the plate, position player wise, nobody had a better weekend, okay, than Hayden Travinsky. Nobody, guys. He went seven of eleven. He had a home run in game one. He had four RBIs. He scored eight runs. He has he accounted for eight runs this weekend. Nobody had a better weekend than him. Maybe Brady Neal had a better game. That's fine. I I, I can't argue that. But being on base, going 7 for 11, guys, he's hitting 636 early in the year. I know it's only one weekend, but I like the approach that we've seen from Hayden Travinsky. He did kind of press a little bit early yesterday, but calmed himself down, has gotten a lot of big hits here, uh, and that's why he's the co-SEC player of the week, and he deserves every single bit of it. He is going to have to continue to be that big if if Tommy White is going to be in that two-hole, which... Look, we'll talk about Tommy. Tommy had multiple guys in runners runners in scoring position yesterday. Doesn't get his first RBI. I mean, as the weather starts to heat up here a little bit, I do think um, that he will get going. But all in all, a good day. All in all, a good day. Guys, listen. This is why you never – yesterday's game versus VMI is why you never freak out about early season baseball, even in, even in a loss. 
you know, we were talking about, oh, man, this team might lose to VMI game one. Oh, no, LSU might lose to Central Arkansas game two. And then they turn right around when they put on the gold jerseys and they explode. It's a really young team in a lot of areas. Steven Millam, you know, is he going to be your guy at second? You have a newcomer, maybe not to the SEC, but a newcomer to LSU and Michael Braswell, he gets his feet wet, gets a couple of games under him. He had a big day yesterday. You look at a guy like Jake Brown who went three for three. Can you get a guy like Paxton Kling going with all the abilities that he has? Just a really, really young team here. There's a chance that you have two freshmen and a guy that last year started for you and Brady Neal who hasn't has some experience, doesn't have a lot of experience, but has experience. You got a lot of young guys at the position player uh, at, at positions that you need to get experience to really quickly. All right. All in all, I, I, I think it, it, it's been a good weekend, and they played again today, too. Okay, let's do this. We were going to preview a little bit of um, the LSU men's basketball game. We'll either do that later after Carter Bryant le- uh, leaves us, or we'll do just do that tonight or tomorrow, okay, because we got some time here because they play on Wednesday, but we do have Carter, the power Bryant. We're going to shift a little bit get to him we got some LSU football stuff that we need to talk to I might even talk to him about the the upset with the LSU men's basketball team uh taking down South Carolina can they take down Kentucky so let's do this let's get to our good man Carter Bryant so about our good friends over the Drake Williams law firm completely new law firm in Ponchatoula guys there is not especially in the North Shore there is not a bigger more professional better looking law firm than the Drake Williams law firm they have Everything that you need there. Go see him today if you need their services. And we'll talk about our good friend here, Carol Falls. Carter Bryant joins us. Trey Holly pleads his innocence. We'll lead off with that. We talk about that next. By the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Whether you've been injured in an accident, you're preparing for a future with your estate planning, you're getting ready to close in on a real estate deal, or you're about to welcome a new addition through adoption into your family, or you're facing criminal charges. You need very experienced attorneys, and that is what the Drake Williams Law Firm will be able to do for you in navigating the legal system. The door to their cozy office in historic downtown Ponchatoula has been open since 1981. They have helped thousands and thousands of Louisiana families and individuals win cases, close on real estate deals, and regain that peace of mind. Their lawyers over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, Ernie Drake III, Ryan J. Williams, and Summer Vicnair are very determined, compassionate, and dedicated to their craft it's a drake williams law firm drake williams law firm.com give them a call today at 985-386-7600 tell them your good friend blake ruffino at ays since you own by guys you might know my good friend carol false and all the great service that he provides over at state farm he is your good neighbor after all but did you know state farm has surprisingly great rates as well Along with a great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. 
Carter the Power Bryant, midday without a hat. No hat, baby. Because I, I, everything I say is no cap. I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> because I got you saying that. I got you calling a basketball game. And the fadeaway jumper so silky smooth. I laugh. I ha- Listen, I was not expecting you saying that. So I laughed so hard. I'm like, <laughs> look at Car- so silky smooth from West Monroe, Louisiana. What's up, buddy? I love it. Lexi's a beast, uh, but you want to know what's crazy? What? True story. And I'm, I'm debating whether or not to release this clip. Uh, there was a guy from the opposing team that came and cursed me out at halftime. What uh, for? I, I, dude, I, I, I still don't know. He was going crazy. Uh, well, what did he say? I, like, what, what, what did well, he say? He, he, he said, he said, just call the game. I'm like, you can't even listen to me. You're at the game. Uh, and he, he, he was, he was, and, and the funny thing is he, he was cursing. There's kids, right? So like I have neighborhood kids that come that, that live in my, my neighborhood and they, they go to the games with thing. And there's also just kids that just around there and his son was struggling. And I'm very, for me, I am of the belief that you should be very complimentary of the team that you're not calling for. Okay. That was the thing that shocked me is I'm always, when I research the other team, over complimentary of, of when I'm calling a game because they're the visiting team, right? You want them to feel welcome. But at the same time, I'm cheering for, you know, the team that's paying me to call the games. Uh, so I try and be as objective as I can. And apparently someone called him at the game and <laughs> and and he he interpreted something I said the, the, the wrong way. And I'm debating whether or not uh, I'm going to release a video. Release uh, it now. I, you now you got to release it. I, I have to now. I I, I guess, but uh, you know, ed, another thing I learned is video editing takes forever, and I'm still editing all these interviews uh, from from this weekend. So I'll get to it. I'll do it just for you. We'll we'll, we'll talk about your interviews this weekend. Maybe some things that you pulled away because you talked to yeah. a couple of incoming freshmen for LSU. I do. <clears throat> excuse me. I do want to get that to you, to uh, with you. But Carter, I got to start off with this. I don't. Look, it is what it is. We got to talk about it because I think more than, you know, just the Trey Holly incident, I think we got to talk about it off the field. We need to talk about it on the field. Uh, I guess I lived, I leave this open-ended to you when you found out what you and I talked about a lot uh, prior to it going public. Um, your thoughts on the Trey Holly incident? Yeah, it, it didn't shock me that you know he's he's pleading his innocent and and obviously we'll we'll see how all the details of this plays out um like i'm like you know some people that are that are familiar with that area and you know they they had felt not so great about it uh from the get-go but that's the thing you know you've worked in law and 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 you know law as, as well as anyone in sports media um i you just gotta let it play out right uh, hopefully it was just an unfortunate situation and they, you know, figure something out, but you know, it, it just goes to show you that you, you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And even if you're not involved, it, it still can hurt your, your career a, as a player. I don't want to go necessarily into details. Now I do agree. And this is, 
there are a lot of questions that I have with this. Okay, number one being with Trey Holly. How can you t- like Carter go outside at night and look out this like look outside? Okay, if there are or aren't street lights, and look into the abyss and see if you can see somebody or something in, in, in the middle of darkness. And then you're going to have to prove to me that you knew it was him, even though it's seven eyewitnesses. Let's get to those seven eyewitnesses on Trey Holly really quickly. Here's my biggest thing. Te- there, it's a double-edged sword. Number one, if seven eyewitnesses have the same exact story, it's a lie. That's number one, because nobody has the same exact story in the same way how things caught. I've been in law for over a decade. If everybody has the same story, it's coerced. I'm telling you, I'm telling you what I know. I would bet 99 times out of 100. And then you having seven eyewitnesses coming forward. That doesn't happen in most murder cases ever or attempted murder cases ever. So I'm questionable. But here's the bad thing. You ready? Seven eyewitnesses who said he did something. Okay. So <laughs> it's a double edged sword here. So I, I do have those questions. With you, though, I want to have the conversation on the field. Carter, there's yeah. no telling how long this case may take and he may be suspended. I don't think LSU has the luxury whatsoever on waiting on him. They got to go get another scholarship back now. What do you say? I agree with you. Um, I, I will say that the three scholarship backs that, that, that they have, right? Are we on the same page here? Josh Williams, um, Caleb Jackson, and, and Caden Durham. Yeah, so, I mean, but they only have two during the spring. Only only, only during the spring. I, I agree with you. Even when they get three, you want to have at least four, right? Eight last year was extreme, okay? But then again – you, you only you only have three right now that are available if you needed to play a game today. So I, I am in agreement with you, Blake. You, you've been on this for a while. They need to go get someone else to play RB. And I don't want to be in the position where, you know, someone suggested, well, move Harold Perkins uh, to, to, to running back and it's fixed. No, it's not that easy. So I, I think they need to go out there and, and get another running back if, if Trey is not available. Um, but I do think all three of them can play especially what I've seen with Caden Durham. He looks bigger already. Um, I told you when I, when we went up to, when I went up to Duncanville, you know, like when we did the, the Corny and Moore or Corey Moore uh, commitment, I mean, yeah. I had a conversation with him and he looked at me, look, he, it, let me tell you something about Caden Durham. I don't work. Carter, I'm not worried about the three backs that you have at all. I'm not worried. I, I think Caden Durham can come in here and be really good, but he's going to be a freshman. Okay. I think he's an alpha dog. The worry that I have is last year you played 12 regular season games and six of them you had a back injured. Now, yeah. I'm going to do something a little – I'm already working on this, but I'm going to give a little preview. You want to know how many SEC teams had one SEC running back every week? All At least one running back was out or injured on every SEC team every single week of the regular season. That's good research. Look at you. Okay. AYS analytics. AYS analytics in this hoe. We in this beast. Okay. Now, I haven't. Now, let me just let me just reference this. I'm through week eight. Okay. I haven't gone week nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, but I'm almost there. But even through eight weeks, 
Kurt, even through eight weeks, we have somebody injured here. Now, the question becomes, do you test some things out with some guys this spring? Do you look at a guy like Aaron Anderson and say, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to do a little toss with you here and see how it works. What, what do you think about something like that? I'm open to it, but, you know, Aaron, Aaron's 190. You know, that's uh, that's it's light uh, for for and 190 uh, and, might be generous. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> that's his LSU listed weight. So, um, yeah, I, I guess so. You know, I, I think Xavier Thomas is someone that that could that could do something like that as well. He's got the explosiveness, but he's also not the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, w- I will say this. One of the players I, I spoke to this weekend, I, I just said, hey. Who's the dog? Who who's the alpha of this recruiting class? Who's a guy that when you see him, you're like, this guy is a mother effing dude. And he said it's Caden Durham. I and know. I try to tell you. That it, it, it's uh that's been consensus with what what I'm hearing. And that's also consensus with what I've seen, right? Just watching him, he's been my number one, number two-ish guy um in in this class and you know it, it just adds that little bit of extra pressure but then again Blake you can argue when it comes to statistics he is the most productive LSU running back recruit that they've ever brought in if you just look at the numbers so um so yeah I mean I do feel a little bit more comfortable what I'm hearing from Kate and Durham not only from players uh but from people around the program and from my own two eyes all right look I, I I hope for Trey Holly's case he came out and pled his innocence. Okay, yeah. um, here's the I don't want to say issue because I, I want to be careful on how I say this, but I think people understand where I'm coming from. The issue I have with even him pleading his innocence, which I got to be honest with you, I believe him a little bit, the way that he constructed that. I just don't think. Even if he is innocent, I don't know if this case is going to be done before all before September the first. We're talking about an attempted uh, murder charge. Are you confident? And then even Carter, if he is clear before September the first, is he ready against USC? Like people think I'm crazy here. I, I got to be real with you. I don't know if you don't need two running backs. I, I'm with you too, Blake. And it's just the nature of the position. You know, they they get hurt. Right. And all three, well, not Caden, but the other two have injury history. Right. Caleb Jackson, of course, his senior year of high school and and Josh Williams has not had extensive injury history. But, you know, he's been kept out and he's taken. He was out all spring last year. Right. Um, And and he missed the, the, the bowl game from not this year, but the year prior. So. It's 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 a scary thing because if you get down to two running backs, now you're really you're really pushing the envelope. So I do think they'll go get someone. And another thing I, I would say about this, Blake, I think it would be a little bit easier to go get a proven running back than people would probably think. You know, LSU plays a lot of different RBs. They always have. You know, whether it's you know you know your more modern attacks or the 07 LSU team that had five different people with 35 carries or more on that team. So I, I do think they'll go get an RB4, and I think an RB4 would be interested in joining a really talented room because the likelihood that you're going to get at least some carries is, is is going to be high, and you would be getting those carries behind the best offensive line in the country. So I, I would be very open uh, uh, to come to LSU to play RB. 
Carter, you had an event this week where you talked to a lot of newcomers coming into LSU. Gabe Relaford, uh, Debo Atkins, a lot of them. I guess, what did you take away from talking to some of these incoming freshmen? Yeah, the first thing was what they've said about the coaches. Um, you know, Debo Atkins in particular, um, a very deep interview, of an interesting bring-up. He challenged himself going to Houston, and – he, he told me his whole behind the scenes story and it's incredible. He, um, I, I do like him a lot as like a sideline to sideline player. And this guy's, this guy's a dog, man. This guy really picked my brain. He, he was asking me questions about what I think about his game and stuff like that. All five of those guys were great. They're very talkative. They're very um, interesting people. Tylen Singleton is a massive human being. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if he doesn't play immediately. Well, that was his big thing. You know, he was by far of the five, probably the quietest, the most about his business, but he does have a big personality. Um, he, he, he just straight up told me, Carter, I'm, I'm going to start next year. <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let, let's see it. And the, the others, uh, you know, Cryer is obviously a, a good kid, and of the five, he's going to have the less pressure to to, to play, obviously um, straight up. And then Relaford and, and Bro both see themselves as defensive ends, and uh, what they're going to do, and they're very excited. You know, Bro broke down playing for Kyle Williams, which was obviously a big honor, and winning the state championship uh, the, for for the first time in thirty. He years. is the most technically ready freshman wise right now. Yes, from a, from a technical I, I was, standpoint, he's the best. And, you know, like, like Danny's uh, pointed out, I like thick pros prospects. They, they, they've gotten bigger. You know, all of those guys have, have taken um, what they've taken from LSU's strength and conditioning staff. I know not all of them are, are there, but you can see uh, considerable changes in their body, right? You could see that they're taking this very seriously. So I'm really excited to see what those uh, five players are going to do. And I got to speak to their parents and all of that. But Blake, you know, at the same time, it is fun interviewing with them. It is fun hanging out with them. Uh, I'm obviously going to release them whenever I'm done editing all of it. But you still got to go out there and get it done. All right. Every, right. It, everyone could everyone could crush an interview. But all five of them have that dog mentality. And I hope they're, I hope they're able to live their dreams for, for LSU. Uh, your biggest story between – talking to all of them is there one thing that stuck out to you in talking to any of these freshmen like one thing that you walk away with and say like hey this is like this is the golden nugget okay this was this <clears throat> was and, and we called it and we talked about this briefly the biggest takeaway was how important it was to to change over this defensive staff okay it's not necessarily an indictment on on the on on the prior staff but it, it was time to move on, right? They are so excited to play for the new staff. And it's not it, – it wasn't coming from a place of, well, they're my coaches now. I'm just going to talk glowingly about them. They really wanted someone new in there. Um, and, and that was my major takeaway. Because, Blake, you know how that goes. If you got the new coaches, you want to talk nice about them because you, you want to want to be good around them, whatever. No, they wanted changes, and they mm -hmm. got those changes, and they're really excited uh, about those changes. And we are very fortunate that they got Blake Baker because 
these guys want to play for coaches that are from Louisiana. Right. Okay? They, that was something in particular Debo was telling me he, he likes the fact that Corey Raymond's from Louisiana. He likes the fact that Blake Baker's from Louisiana. That mattered a lot to these guys uh, because there were most, it was four of the five players are defensive guys. They wanted to play from people from Louisiana and the staff became more Louisiana uh, with, with their changes. And, and that really stood out to me. Yeah. I mean, technically Baker from Houston, but I mean, he's, he, he's an adopted. Played. Yeah. He's an adopted Louisianian. Now that's for sure. Carter, I, we talked to me and you last week, talked a lot about Blake Baker and the, and this defense. I want to move on the opposite side of the ball because listen, Carter, in about two weeks, we we te- we we go out to spring football. I mean, it, it, it's already back. Thank in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Um, the question that I have for you is, what is your thought process after seeing a game with Joe Sloan as the play caller? I guess now that we're about a little bit more than a month and a half removed from the game that he called. Now that you look at him and you look at this offense, Carter, I, I got to admit, now I do right now worry about running back from a depth perspective. A talent perspective, I, I, I do not. What do you think about Joe Sloan Cortez Sancton in this offense now that, you know, you're breaking them down, we're getting ready for, for spring camp. What do you think about them going into spring? Yeah, I like them. Obviously, we'll see how they do over a, a full year um, because it's easy to script plays. It's easy to – do all of that but how do you change in the course of a game and how do you change over the course of a year right um that's where things get really tough for for play callers my major takeaway was what chris hilton can do to this offense right that he was by far out of anyone on the offensive side of the football the guy who helped himself out the most Uh, you know last week we talked about kyron lacy on here Chris is a guy, you know, going into next year, I don't feel a gazillion thousand percent certain he's going to be the 30 catch guy that we saw uh, in that Wisconsin game. But if he is that guy, this LSU passing attack is going to still be very, very, very freaking good. So if you have his open the top of the defense threat on the field at all times, this is going to be a very, very top 10 national offense yet again. Um, If not, they're they're going to need to to find uh, one of those guys, whether it's CJ Daniels, whether it's Davion Thomas, or whatever. But it's Chris's speed, man. It changes everything uh, for for your offense, and hopefully that that continues during the course of the spring. Because as you know, Blake, you'll see Chris Hilton catch passes in practice, and I I've, I've had people at LSU tell me, hey, just against air, Chris looks as good as anyone. He plucks the football out of the air. He has good hands, but in the actual games, he'll drop and not make plays. So hopefully that continues uh, throughout the spring and, and and going into next year. He needs he needs the reps. Yes. He, uh, he, he just uh, He's a guy that I just think needs reps. And, and I think, look, from Chris Hilton, and everybody knows my biasy with him, um, if you're going to make the argument for me that Kyron Lacey needs the reps, then you better give it to me with Chris Hilton. Okay. Yes. Stop, stop, you know. So, Carter, let me ask you this. What, is, what does life look like for this offense in the running game without Jaden Daniels? You know, golly, I even go back to 22 and ask myself, like, when when people were aggravated with Jaden Daniels, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, and Carter, me and you – spent countless times on the on the iPhone together and talking about like 
Look, man, people just don't understand. When he's running the ball for 15 yards, I don't care if he throws it, runs it. I don't care if he does hop, skip, hop, skip, <laughs> skip to, to get 15 yards. I don't – what do I give a Rudy Poo? Okay, what Jaden Daniels was – how he was get, gaining yards. But he was a massive part of your running game. What does LSU's future look like without him in that in that specific area in your mind? Yeah, it's a major concern, right? Jaden's own readability and just his gravity just made life so much easier on the running backs. Where we really saw that, though, was in his first season, right? LSU was tied with Texas for the highest rush yards after contact in all of college football. And that was when Jaden was not a great thrower, right? You're talking in to you're talking about in 22, just to yeah, in, yeah, in okay. 2022. So he Jaden was a good quarterback in 2022, but just him existing on the field in 2022 made our running back so much better. We saw the same thing in 2023, and it took us to an even higher level because safeties really had to play back because Jaden's deep ball accuracy was. Some of the best we've ever seen in college football history. So you'll still have that with Garrett. Obviously, Garrett's ability to throw the football deep will give you, you know, some two high looks and give you some great numbers in the box opportunities to run behind Will Campbell, Emory Jones, and those guys up front. You're just not going to have the Jaden run game aspect um, with, with Garrett and us fire. But here's the thing. Garrett isn't going to need to be an elite runner. He's just going to need to scramble every now and then, kind of like Carson Beck did this past year versus Georgia. He had a few clutch scrambles here and there. That's all Garrett really is going to need to do. If everything else holds true to form and this LSU offensive line continues to develop at the way they're moving, you you could see Blake a, a little bit more run game uh, involved in a traditional sense with the running backs. All right. Can I tell you a, a hypothesis here? Let's go. As I got I dirt it. on my hat here. I think, listen, hear me out here. I think with simplicity comes a, a part where I think that they could be a better overall team. Okay? Mainly due to the fact I think they're going to slow it down. I don't think that they have a choice. Okay. okay. Especially, especially early. Because let me give an example. When Jaden would bust off a 20-yard run and then throw, have two passes of 35, 40 yards, and you get in for a touchdown, and you're taking a minute off the clock, I do think if you give Blake Baker's defense, a Blake Baker defense, a little bit of time, you put together a four- or five-minute drive, I think that they're going to be better mainly just strictly due to what you're doing on the defensive side of the football. Carter, I don't know if they don't need to go back to a little bit more of the game plan that they had in 22 from running the football. How many times, Carter, did we look – like, go back and watch 22. Mississippi State, Ole Miss. They never got out of their game plan of lining up and just running the football and punching you square in your shit. LSU in 22 would line up and – Three yards, we don't give a shit. We're going to line up and do it again. Now, it looked different because you're from a spread concept. I don't know if you don't need to get back to that. Now, I am not saying don't be pass – don't throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. 
But if you're going to run 60 plays, 65 plays, you got to have drives where, at least a drive where, you line up and you tell Will Campbell, take his, take his soul. Go full Mortal Kombat and take his godforsaken soul. That, I think, for me, in 22, was why they had so much success because I do think that there's something to be said when you break a team's will running the football Maybe I'm crazy. People call me crazy here. I know you're not going to agree with that, but line up and pop somebody in the freaking mouth. Yeah, yeah. where I'll push back is if the offense is better served scoring at the rate that they were scoring at last but year. But they're not going to be that, though. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. But if, if the offense and if Garrett is a little bit more faster pace, I, I don't want to ruin that rhythm. But I do I do agree with this, all right? I do think the the traditional run game handed off to your running back does need to get better, right? So early in the season, LSU had those games versus Auburn and Ole Miss uh, in particular where there were drives, and even Missouri to a certain extent, where Logan Diggs was, was an enforcer, right? That kind of faded. You know, they, they struggled running the football with running backs versus Texas A&M, right? And in some other key spots, that's going to need to get better. It whether it needs to be a little bit more creative, or if it needs to be better sequenced, how that's going to work out next year is going to be key for this offense because they do have uh, a really good group of running backs. They do have arguably the best offensive line LSU has, has seen. They have that potential uh, to be the Joe Moore Award favorites going into next year. So I'm with you. I because if you do run the football, it does slow things down and it does help. Uh, your 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 defense. I'm not even saying to throw the ball to the back out of the backfield. Yeah, that could be a big piece. Right? No, no, it's gonna have to be a big piece if you're gonna throw the football. Look, you got to have even extensions of the running game. How many times in that Super Bowl? Like, go back to the Super Bowl as an example. When did San Francisco have their most dominant success, either running or throwing the football? When they're getting McCaffrey involved in the passing game, I'm not telling you to line it up every single time and throw, you know, hand it off. But let me get. But right. the biggest thing for me is, like, for an example, you're running four verts on the uh, two guys on the inside, two guys on the outside. You're running four verts. Okay, it's first and ten. The play is not designed unless you have the coverage uh, that get, that warrants it. Garrett Nussmeyer throws a check down to Caleb Jackson. He goes for 15. That is an extension of a handoff. You're just handing it off to yeah. him right there. You can do that 30 times or 30 times a game. You can do that three times a game, and it's gonna make people respect what you're doing. That's all I'm saying here. All right. Yeah, Carter, let's go. Carter Bryant. Carter, the power. Oh, you see a sticker. Bryant. All right. Last question for you here. The LSU men. Go to Columbia and clap those Gamecock cheeks. Okay, maybe they didn't. They won by a point. The fighting Matt McMahon's going to Columbia and pulling it out. Let's go, baby. Got Let's Kentucky go. at home. And the fighting McMahon's, have they found something here? Yeah, well, some of it is just good close game luck, right? They had gotten so unlucky. You know, the, the Georgia shot earlier this year that rattled out. The Florida game. Uh, they were right there to win it. And, Blake, it's good to see them get some close game luck going in their favor. But that Jordan Wright layup, uh, layup before the end of the first half was was really nice. Um, and they they were down by 10. 
They were just down by 10, just hung around, hung around, hung around. I missed the game. And I actually got up this morning and, and watched highlights from it uh, because I was at the event the, uh, this weekend. And I was really impressed with Matt McMahon's team resolve. And I'm very happy that Jordan Wright made the transfer from Vanderbilt to LSU, right? You've seen what happened with Jerry Stackhouse team. They lost Jordan Wright and they're not as good. LSU gets him, got a bad new genetic. You could see how hard he plays. The guy is just gritty. And uh, I, I like below the rim college basketball players like him. So what, what a game uh, from, from LSU to get it done in a hostile environment. South Carolina is kind of a basketball school now with the women's team and now their <laughs> men's team. Uh, it, 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 it was very nice to see. Um, I, I'm about to talk about this in the, in the segment that I round up here, but I want your yeah. quick thought on this. Sean Elliott left Georgia State to go to South Carolina. Yeah. Bro, why am I the only one? I, I feel like I'm the only person that's, that's pissed off about this. Yeah, it sucks. Like, it really, really sucks for the group of five guys that, that see that, right? Like, I am not shocked, though. Like, I have always felt that the the divide between the group of five and the SEC power fives is just so unfreaking believably wide, right? Like, these assistant coaches at big power five schools – get paid so much where if you're the head coach at a group of five school, it's, it's crazy. And I, I know the story that Sean Elliott's family is, is more ingrained in that His area. family was in there in December too, when you could have made this decision. Right. So it's, it's, it's very strange. Very, very, very strange. Uh, but it's, it's, it's just, it's just how it is. They man. canceled the spring game. I know. I mean, Carter, we're in February. Spring. They, they got a strength coach running the program now. Uh, it, 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 it stinks. It stinks. But Bubble. All right, buddy. All right. Let's go LSU baseball. Power hour LSU. NYS to the moon. You're going live again tonight. Uh, man, you, you're the man. Well, Look at you. What else am I going to do? I feel like I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> All right, bud. See you. All right. That's Carter the Power Bryant. Uh, got a little news here. Okay, looks like, um, well, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna hold off on that. Uh, but Danny says it. I'm not gonna say it just because I don't want Jay to get get mad at me. Uh, unless he officially announced it, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Um, let me do this. Let me talk about my good friends over at Avid Inspection Specialists. We go, we finish around your SEC. We won't stay long. Stay with us. Guys, let me tell you about our good friends over at Avid Inspection Specialist. Are you planning on purchasing a home or business? Then you need it inspected. AIS has you covered. Before you make that purchase, get it inspected and find the issues before you sign on that dotted line and before they become your problem. AIS also has you covered if you just recently purchased a home with their 11th month new home warranty inspections. Before the builder says it's your problem and that new home warranty expires, get it inspected and let the builder pay for it. Do you need mold inspections, asbestos inspections, lead inspections, drone inspections? They do it all. Give them a call today at 225-717-5591. 
That's 225-717-5591 or go over to the website, avidspecialist.com. That's avidspecialist.com where peace of mind happens. LHI number 11331. Luke Hubbard of, I think it is Rivals, um, has tweeted out that LSU's baseball Monday lineup versus Central Arkansas doesn't really change a whole lot. You got Stephen Millam at second, Tommy White at third, Hayden Javinsky, DH, Braden, Brady Neal behind the plate, uh, Jared Jones at first, Josh Pearson gets back in the lineup in right field, Matt Bingham in left field, Jake Brown at center, and Michael Braswell at shortstop. He is reporting that Kate Anderson will from Mandeville, Louisiana, will be on the mound. Um, so I'm assuming he's at the game and has the lineup. So we'll see. Uh, I'm assuming this is Pooh Bear or Ant, but it says maybe the NCAA should make a rule that coaches can't leave after a certain date. So let me talk about that. Let me talk about this for just a minute. So I talked about this uh, on Rafino and Joe show. If you haven't already gone over there and subscribed, you need to do so. Uh, over the last week, Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott decided to leave his post as the head coach at Georgia State and go back to Columbia to be the tight ends coach. Now, in a press release and him getting out why he made the decision, he said a big factor was his family uh, being in Columbia. That's why he wanted to move back. Now, as someone who is married, has two children, I fully understand the whole Sean Elliott wanting to be closer to home, wanting to be closer to family. You got 85 kids that are at Georgia State, if not more, that it's also your responsibility. Now, I know that you got to take care of your family too. Being around your wife, being around your kids, it's a big deal. But you're also responsible for 85 other kids. And I think that there's going to have to come a time. So we talk about at least on this show, and I know it happens everywhere else. We talk about regulations for NIL. We talk about regulations for the transfer portal. We talk about regulations and even potentially a collective bargaining agreement in college football, at least in college football. But what? why don't we have anything changing for conferences about realignment and things with, that they are doing with the college football playoff or what they're doing with – uh, uh, TV contracts and extensions. We never talk about the time frame that coaches leave. It's a free-for-all any given moment. I do think that it's funny, okay, that we have, at least as a fan base or as a media core, are constantly talking about the wild, wild west being, okay, would it be whether it be with the players of NIL, whether the players of the transfer portal, whatever it may be. But we never, ever talk about conference realignment, Coaches leaving in February. I mean, if you're if your son, think about this for a minute. If your son were at Georgia State and the head coach left in February, and you had to cancel a spring game, and the head strength coach is running the program, what would your God, what would your God's honest opinion as a parent be? As a, if your child was on that football team, I know what mine would be. I would want to tell Sean Elliott to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. This is February, y'all. He could have made a decision well back in December. Now, I know that 
some position changes happened at South Carolina late, which then factored into this, but it doesn't matter. Sometimes you've got to do things that you don't want to do. Now, that's not the only. Sean Elliott isn't the only. Um, How do I want to say this? Sean Elliott isn't the only person or coach that has done something a little bit shady like this. I'm old enough to remember when Ryan Grubb, the OC at Alabama. Now, a lot of you LSU fans who are watching this right now are going to say, oh, who gives a dar- Who gives a shit about Alabama? I, I'm not going to argue with you as a fan. What Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer pulled off and, and Ryan Grubb saying he's going to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama so that they could get through a 30-day portal window where more kids didn't leave, and then he goes to Seattle, is also extremely shady. Now, it was reported, I think, by our buddy Ryan Fowler that we've had on the show, that when Alabama hired Ryan Grubb, they knew that there was a potential that he could be the next head coach at Washington or maybe the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. They knew that was a possibility. Did the players know it was a possibility? Because Ryan Grubb went to a podium two weeks after he was officially hired and said he was going to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. So everybody wants to have these conversations about players, about NIL, regulating that, which I don't disagree with. The transfer portal, regulating that, I don't disagree with. But the one thing that I full-heartedly think has to come into question here, we talk about changing the, the college football schedule dates so that it makes life easier for coaches. So you want to do all of this for players when the TV that TV money is not being collectively bargained with for players to get paid for football, but coaches, oh, man, this NIL thing, this portal thing, it's such a big deal. I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Oh, it's so tough. Coaches have had it easier. It, it's funny, when, players start, when the players start having a little bit more of a say-so, coaches are like, you know what, man? I'm I'm done with it. You're playing dirty games. Oh, well, players can do it too. Get out of here with that. Those are 18 and 21-year-old kids. You're a grown-ass man. Some of you with mustaches. I, I, I tell you, man, it, it's a dirty business. It's a very dirty business. And I am not going to come off of the take and the thought and the process or the processy of you trying to convince me that what Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer pulled off, what Sean Elliott and Shane Beamer pulled off, yeah, it's better moves for them as individuals. Well, the players can't go anywhere. The players can't do anything. Now, I will tell you, there's going to be a day where we have a collective bargaining agreement or something like a collective bargaining agreement in college football. And I'm going to tell you, the one thing, players, listen to me very closely. I would put in there, and that whatever they want to call this collective bargaining agreement that you're going to get, that if a head coach, coordinator, or position coach leaves, that you have something where if a position coach leaves, you have 15 days to enter the portal. If a head coach or coordinator leaves, you have 30 days to enter the portal. You better put it in there. Because, Coach, if you think that this is the last time 
that like somebody like Kalen DeBoer or Sean Elliott is going to pull some shit like this, you're crazily naive and stupid. That's all I got to say. All right. Uh, Pooh Bear says, as a parent, we had coaches at a school we didn't choose leave after signing day. I feel for those kids. We're going to say choose the school, not the coach, but that's not reality. No, it's never reality. You're net look, there are instances where, like, for example, if it were me, I would choose LSU, if it were me, over any place else. It's where I want to go. It's where I would want to be. For a lot of kids, that's not a that's not a deal. And you got to ask yourself a question. Like, would Bryce Underwood be here if Joe Sloan and my and Brian Kelly weren't here? Kid has no ties to LSU whatsoever. It's nuts, man. All right. We'll see y'all tonight. Y'all have a good one. Peace.